Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you sharing your time with us 12 to 3 every weekday. Wes is fire fizzle. About to come back at you. Excited yes, sir. For that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Later on. So we're going to have sports edition of fire <laughs> fizzle. Usually we try to focus on other topics, but today it's going to be a sports edition of fire or fizzle that we have. Yeah. As always. Championship week. At 145. Can I open up with some advice from the people here, Wes? Yep. And even from you and Fiddy, if he wants to chime in. Okay. We talked about it a little in the fishbowl, but it gave me a listener question too. A couple of them. One. My sister hit me up and asked what kind of basketball goal she should get for my nephew and also her significant other, like just to go play some basketball. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking just going back and forth, oh man, what did I used to shoot on back in the day? I don't know if anybody else has this type of nostalgia that they experience, but the Goliath, straight fire, as Wes Bryant would say, the Gorillas were always the state-of-the-art goals. But you had never heard of those, right? I never heard of them. Those were like if you wanted an NBA standard goal in your backyard and everybody was going to show up to play where your gorilla was. Like we could have the portable ones that you'd fill up with water. I had those too. I had quite a few basketball goals in my life. But the Goliaths, the gorillas, tell me what kind of goal she should go look at. 704-570-9610. That's the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. 704-570-9610. And it also got me thinking, and this one you can answer too, Wes. Do you remember the big present that you got as a kid where it wasn't, you might have got an awesome action figure that you loved or Mm -hmm. whatever the hell, right? Mm -hmm. But it was one of those, hey, we're saving this for last you got to come outside and see it type mm. thing. It was there ever a big, even in just your own eyes, whew, that was the big present that I can look back and remember. You're following. talking about like Christmas wise or, or just whatever, or just whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like it, the, it can be holiday. Season. I never had a come outside gift, but uh, you know, my mom would always give me the gift. So I had to close my eyes and put my yeah, hands yeah. out and then she put it in my hands and then I'd open it and be like, Oh yeah! <laughs> what were you like? What was that like? Oh yeah! That's when it was wow. something real good. A lot of times it was sent around sneakers. Like if she would get me, I figured it would I be really more wanted. sneakers for you. Yeah, I thought so. Fiddy, did you ever have anything? Did you have like a, a basketball goal that you learned how to shoot on so you'd become a, a, a church league legend? Do you remember as mid two thousands the Dick Vitale goal that you put on the back of your 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 door? Oh yes. Great addition to yes. the combo. So it had phrases in it. Yeah, and it had like you know PTP or like, you know it had like his catch. I this remember guy's a real type of dandy baby. It was the only thing I wanted. I think I was fourth or fifth grade. It, it was also the year that I found out for sure that Santa Claus wasn't real because I woke up in the morning and saw my dad putting it together to, for me to, to open up on Christmas morning. But that was the one that it was the only thing I asked for. Like the whole the whole Christmas season, and I got it, and I had it on the back of my room until I got into high school, and I would shoot on it and through high school. Yeah, the the back on the door or the the door basketball goals. I actually got one with the metal rim. Yeah, I had a oh game changer. Game changer. Problem is, you want it until it causes too much noise to annoy your mother, and then your mother tells you to stop shooting. 
that was the problem. If it was more Nerf, which the Nerfs were great too, it was a little quieter. But I wanted the metal rim, but then it would cause too much noise. And of course, if you get the metal rim, the closer to the real thing you get, the more I need to give you the real business. And so I'm dribbling. I'm going between the legs, behind the back, <laughs> slamming at home. I got told to stop that. Yeah, my son has one of those now. It makes up a lot of noise yeah. when he's in there shooting. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure out ways to keep that quiet. But yeah, when I had that when I was a kid... I got in trouble the most for dunking because, uh, you know, you hit against the door sometimes and stuff I, like that, and that would make all the noise. So just uh, here's here's a little bit of a, I don't, a peek behind the curtain of Walker Mail's childhood story for you, but mm-hmm. that, that brings something up. So it was my mom's boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. and they called me in from my bedroom after there were uh, it was a lot of noise, me banging against the door, dunking, whatever, like just a lot of noise. And he said... Hey, so she asked me, you know, what are you doing in there? Are you throwing alley-oops? And I wasn't. I thought I'd be smart. I was dunking. I was like, I'm just dunking, Mom. I'm not throwing alley-oops. And then he said something to me, and he said, you know what you were doing. You don't need to talk to her like that. And I stared at him. I was like, nah, this is one of those, you're not my dad. Oh, for sure. Was, you're not my dad thing. It was yeah, one of those stories. Yeah, that's not going on. Yeah, it was. And he was yeah, totally nice guy. It was just, for me at that time, I was like, I wasn't throwing alley-oops, man. <laughs> These were dunks. These were not the same. Completely uh, different. Thank you. Going to the text line, because a lot of people are, are with this topic. Q brings up an excellent point. I love this point. Q says, bruh. Get a basketball goal with chain links, exclamation point. Oh, yeah, those are those are good. That chain sounds so different. It does. My friend got chain links for the basketball goal one time. Game changer as well. You know, there was once an old legend that Sean Kemp dunked. Uh, I guess it was street ball or something like that. Yes. A goal that had the, the chains in it and it sparked. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Also, it was well, he's from Elkhart, Indiana. Yeah. And so I remember there were apparently the playgrounds over there. They would have, I think you could raise it up a little more. Maybe they weren't quite 10 feet and they were 10 and a half or something. Maybe that's how the legend goes. And then he would still slam it home, just being the freak that he was. Yeah. Legends from Sean Kemp are fun. And oh, of course, I, there is the baby making legend. I watched a dunk too. reel of him this weekend. It was just disgusting. But Fiddy playing the, he's on fire when we when we started the show, thinking about NBA jamming. And I did not realize, so I looked on Amazon, that they sold arcade games on there. That you could get like real arcade games. They're like four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, huge. I said as soon as I get to the right spot, I just might, you know. Okay, it might be that time. My man cave one day might just be half arcade, half regular room, man. Jack writing in, chain-linked goals are amputated uh, amputated fingers. Please don't get those. Yeah. I mean, if you can dunk like that, I guess. Well, but... you're going to lower it. If you're a kid, you're going to lower that thing and dunk oh, on yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's happening. Amputated. Angry. Oh, <laughs> what's going a, on there? People are angry at Fiddy for saying Santa is a real. You stop spreading those. Yeah, lies. I was gonna say that. I'm sure now. people would get a little ruffled you by th- that. Th- I'm sorry if Fiddy they're did, listening with their kids. Fiddy didn't mean it. Fiddy did not mean that. Everybody, he apologizes to you, to your children, and he apologizes to the very real Santa Claus that is out there. Cowherd said original Nint- Nintendo was the big gift for him. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Gaming system, I take that back. That was that was the best when that I got was my the first one. when I got my Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Panther Cliff wrote in. It was the Bigfoot Power Wheel, baby. Dating mm. myself, but the Bigfoot Power Wheel from Panther Cliff. That's something that people are really riding in. And uh, yeah, those are the some of the toys. All right, do you think that Chris Tabor likes the toys he has to play with with this roster? Um, probably not. I'm gonna guess not. He'll say he does, but he. Yeah, Probably not. he's going to say he you, you can tell that immediately 
with him opening up his presser yesterday saying, man, it feels like week 72. Yeah, that's because you know everything that's happened beforehand, and there's not a lot of hope on the horizon to finish this season out. Let's talk Chris Tabor right now, pulling up to the scene. Go ahead, Mr. Bus Drive, and open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Tabor taking over for the first time as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers this weekend. They take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's what the head coach had to say about what fans could expect to see differently. Well, I said it the other day and I said it again and really it sums up my philosophy being a classy, hard-hitting team that plays with great unity. And then when, it sounds like a bunch of jumbled words, but classy is... is um, you know, we're eliminating penalties. We're doing the right things. We're playing hard. We just keep coming after you. Regardless of the score, we just keep playing physical football. And then we do it together, offense, defense, and kicking. That's, you know, I would love for us to see complimentary football in all three phases. And I hope that's what we do see. Obviously, we want to score more and, and, and those type of things. We, we want to do better in the kicking game. There's a lot of things where we need to improve. And, um, and this is another opportunity for us to do it. So we're excited about it. Wes, I have to be honest with you. I hate myself just a little bit. Okay. Because I never thought I would like Coach Speak so much in my life. Frank Reich wasn't talking about that physical play style as much. I always thought it was so much Coach Speak that I never really cared about it. Oh, okay, yeah, you're going to play more physical than the other team because you found the answer because you have the right strength and conditioning coaches compared to the other teams because you have the motivational speech that is just going to be like win one for the Gipper and the other coach doesn't have all of that. There's some of that I roll my eyes at. Until Frank Reich was here, and I, you know, Frank Reich can have his success in the right situation, okay? It wasn't here. But remember how weird it was to hear him discuss, hey, you can be physical and not do the downhill thing. And, you know, maybe it just didn't seem like there was an emphasis on physicality. I do think that there is a different mood and there is a different personality between these two guys. Frank Reich going now to Chris Tabor. It does seem like that is going to be their identity that they do. That's what he's saying, at least. I don't know if they're going to play like that, but it's certainly a different message than what we were hearing from Frank Reich. No, it doesn't mean I think they're going to win the last, you know, they're going to win four of their last games here to end the season. I don't think anything like that. I do think you are hearing more of the, let's just get back to the fundamentals. Let's just get back to playing physical. And while I'll roll my eyes at that with a lot of coaches and how they speak that way, worked for Steve Wilkes last year. That's how they played. And I'm hoping they can pick up that same message from Chris Tabor and at least play hard to end the season. Yeah, I think one of the things, too, they just want to keep things simple. They want to be able to simplify things for Bryce and the offense. And it's funny because you can see kind of their thoughts of what was going on by what they do. And what do I mean by that? It's like, okay, they saw what Reich and the crew were doing, and maybe they did feel like it was too many cooks in the kitchen. And maybe that's why you get these coaches that come in and they say, hey, just let's just simplify this thing. You guys are trying to do all this stuff, all these screens, all and all this, this this passing and different little things like that. Let's just get back to running the football and let's just play basic, fundamental football because for one, you know, Coach Tabor, he's not an offensive guy, even though Thomas Brown is going to be calling the plays, but I think a lot of times when those interim coaches step in, they want to kind of just simplify things and let guys just be able to play and not think so much. Yeah, I, I think that would – you probably do have to simplify things if there's been so much change. That's a great point. Yeah. it <laughs> It's already complicated enough. You went back and forth with play callers, even if it is supposed to come from the same scheme, in large part – 
there are reports, there are rumors that Frank Reich, as things got harder, would rely more and more so on what his offensive opinions were instead of taking everybody else's opinion. And maybe they did need more direction. Maybe there were too many of the cooks in the kitchen type thing. And he decided, I'm going to be the head guy. But when you're the head guy and you continue to lose and score 10 points at most, you're going to get up on out of here. So now it's Thomas Brown. Hopefully we can see something different. You can accentuate the strengths of this offensive line. Jonathan Mingo. I know we'll talk about him in a little bit. And Bryce Young, most importantly. That's what we would like to see. Chris Tabor bringing the physicality, doing the CEO-type approach, knowing what time it is as the interim head coach. Probably not going to be getting the outright head coaching position next year. Maybe you could coach yourself into a bigger role for another team, whatever. But it's just it, it feels like maybe we could get this new coach jolt We see this a lot when guys get fired. They'll end up winning the next game. Antonio Pierce, he beats the Giants in his debut. Now, Jerry, if we want to go back to the last guys that got fired, Jerry Rosberg took over the final two games. I would have never been able to give you that name. Mm -hmm. But Jerry Rosberg took over for Denver last year, split the last two after what was such a tough season. Losing to the Chiefs in his debut, but only three points, beat the Chargers in the finale. Jeff Saturday takes over for Frank Reich. He beats the Raiders 25-20 to in his first ever game. They would lose every other one, but they won the first one. Steve Wilkes takes over for Matt Rule. You lose to the Rams, but then they go 6-6, six and six, as we talked about quite a bit. And then Urban Meyer gets fired. Daryl Bevel takes over. They go 1-3. That situation was shot immediately. But you do see the new coach jolts quite a bit. And oftentimes when guys get fired, it's not a juggernaut of a team that is the next game for you. That's the case here. Tampa Bay, the better football team, no question about it, but not a juggernaut. And in fact, Tampa Bay was the first win that Steve Wilkes had when he took over as an interim last year. Could it happen again? Could we see history repeat itself as soon as the following season? That would be nice. And I do think this team is going to continue to play hard with Chris Tabor and Thomas Brown at the helm. Yeah, I think one of the reasons you get the jolt too is the unknown. Um, For one, I think guys, the the intern's going to come in with a little bit of that nothing to lose mentality, but I think the fact of the unknown, these coaches don't know, even though Thomas Brown called a couple of games, it was a small sample size. Teams would try to maybe look and see what Carolina was doing and get a feel for what may happen, but Carolina could come out with a whole new offense with a lot of new wrinkles, and I mean, the offensive line's still going to remain the same, but that still may catch some of these teams uh, off guard uh, coming down the stretch, especially their next opponent in Tampa Bay. That's a division opponent, well-versed in Carolina and what they want to do. But I think that's one of the reasons why you see interim coaches come in and have some success because it's just the unknown. All right, let's answer some more of these texts. I think we got a lot of great texts. People are living in the nostalgia. People are remembering fondly some of the better presents that they got as kids. And so we'll read some of those texts on the other side of the break. The other question we have is about Cam Newton. He said the Panthers have a culture problem on his fourth and one podcast, his new Swag fourth Daddy. and one podcast. How do they fix this culture problem? Let's discuss it. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. 
only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Believe it or not, Mob Deep showed up on my Apple replay, not the Spotify wrapped because I usually listen to Apple music, but Mob Deep showed up on there this mm. year. Yeah. I So with, with all of the things, I know you put yours out there. Go follow Wes Bryant to see his music taste. <laughs> I got to put it on Twitter. I haven't put it all on there like I did on IG, but yeah, I got it. I think I saw it on Facebook maybe because yeah. I got to check it out. You already showed me in the fishbowl too, but I will say this, Wes. I, I am, I think amongst, uh, maybe not, uh, me and my friends listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of music. I think people know that about me. I absolutely love it. We know that about you. I don't mess with you, though. Like, I really don't. Not on the music stuff. You, you, there's not many people. In fact, the stats I would have to imagine back that up because uh-huh. Spotify wrapped. Uh-huh. He put it out there on social media for everybody to consume. Uh-huh. And Spotify wrapped, I believe, had you as among the top 9% in the world of music listeners. Is that right? Yeah. Top 9%. Yeah, man. I had over 35,000 minutes. Okay. So I have a little bit on spot. I did not listen to Spotify that much at all. So my Spotify Mm -hmm. wrapped, it's just not representative. It's nothing. Apple for sure. It was. Yeah. So my total listening time was 17,000 minutes. Okay. Which is a pretty good bit. But you doubled mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and so, you know, what's funny is that, I was looking because everybody's posting them now. Yeah. I looked at Georgia Amores from Virginia Tech. Her joint was uh, 64,000. I said, my God, this girl must just listen to music all day long, all night. (laughs) I was like, 64? You just don't turn it off. She's got to be top 1%. Well, and and I'm just thinking about my music listening practice. I know you listen to podcasts, too. Mm -hmm. And so that means you're just consuming content. I do, man. At all times. Yo, and it's so (laughs) crazy because I tell people all the time, like, I spend a lot of time in my car. And, you know, I listen to music while I'm working. Like, you know, I might go in for a Saturday when I'm doing work at ACC Digital. And if I got three, four games and I'm doing highlights, I put my buds in as soon as I start. And I listen to music until I'm done. Because I can just work faster, much more efficient when I got music. But, I mean, I get in the car sometimes and I literally get annoyed at the choices I have to make. Because it's like I listen to, like, Busted Open, a wrestling podcast. And I listen to star on youtube and i might listen to different stuff and i'm sitting there like okay am i gonna listen to this this or do i want to listen to music and sometimes i just have to be definitive like this morning i got in the car i said i'm listening to some jams on the way to work i'm listening to music mm-hmm. that's it but yeah nah it we constantly that's why sometimes i just have to unplug because it's like we can all of us we consume so much content on a daily basis yeah i it's thirty-five thousand is a lot we have somebody else writing in on the carolina men's clinic text line Theirs was 27,000. It's a lot. Yeah. They also said their buddies was 86,000. He commutes an hour Dang and a half to work wild. every day. That's, That's top 0.5%. But yeah. let us know on the text line, though. Let us yeah. know what yours was, who were your top artists, what was your top song. Mine was surprisingly, now my top artist was Dave East, which he dropped a couple of projects this year, and I'm a big fan of his. So he had a lot of songs that stuck with me all year. But I was surprised at my number one song, which was Torpedo by Ray Schremer. I did love that song a lot. I just didn't know I listened to it 80 times. Yeah, there are a lot of surprises when you get there. For me, not so much. For I, It might be the third or fourth straight year. And it's just I, I can't get away from the stuff that I love so much. 
it's Freddie Gibbs again. He's again. your top artist? Yeah. What but, was your top song? Again, it's, um. well, my top song, actually, Two Days from the Killer Mike album. Because mm. it's short. Yeah. And the beat's crazy. And so you just keep letting it go. But and like, I think Killer yeah. Mike does a great job on that one. Yeah. And so I actually had a lot of hours on that album. But Two Days was my number one song this year. Yeah. And then there was a lot that were, you know, it's all pretty close. There wasn't a big gap. But Freddie Gibbs still a thousand minutes listening to Freddie Gibbs. Shout out to Durs from Huntersville. He said he had several people. He said he saw several people in the 50K minutes. But he said y'all show popped up on his. So big shout out to us. That's what's up. Dang, we got a friend that had 106,000. Good Lord. I mean, if you listen to 106,000 minutes of music. <laughs> From the time you wake up, are you just listening to music to the time you go to bed well, and, and while you sleep? Yeah. Well, and that's what I do immediately, tunes. As soon as I wake up, it's it's Mac and Bone a lot. I listen to lots of Mac and Bone. Yeah. And then I put on tunes and then you switch back and forth when there's, you know, I, I ain't going to give you, you know, never mind, that, that might get me in trouble. But <laughs> Mac and Bone and music and I switch back and forth yeah. and I'm listening a lot and then I'll find my podcast basically when I get home, listen to Kyle Bailey quite a bit when I'm driving home as well. So that's what I'm listening to, but yeah, man, lots. Tell us what your spat, yeah, spot. I want to know top was. songs, top artists. You can give me your top five artists. Fifty. Did you have some statistics from uh, any of your listening? Because I know you do what Pandora. You said. Yeah, I'm a Pandora guy, uh, so I didn't have any of mine, but mine would be mainly podcasts. Because that's, that's what I listen Pandora. to the most. Pandora, I used to do it, and then I I used to love Pandora because it was all it was basically just shuffle the whole time, and Pandora was great. To give you a radio feel where, oh, I haven't heard this song in a long time. Sometimes you lose that when you just have your own bank of music and then you yeah. just go to the same stuff you like. I do think Pandora and Spotify playlists do a great job of this, too. But when it was all Pandora for everybody, they did a great job of knowing what you liked. They would bring in some new stuff to try it out on you. Or they would bring in some old stuff that you hadn't heard in a while. I thought that was the perfect mix of pick some stuff from my bank and mm. also put me on some new stuff. And Spotify does a great job at that. Yeah, oh too. yeah, they do. They classify me as a collector because I mostly listen to my playlist and then uh our only playlist that I go to this outside of that is new music playlist and then I'll go into the one that they make specifically for me each week. And then my top 5 artists were uh Davies uh The Game, Snoop, Westside was in there. And Westside. Yeah, Westside was in my, there. That was my five. Because it, my girlfriend saw it and she said there's Westside. <laughs> Hates him. Can't say because he puts out so many projects. Yeah, and, and the that voice. voice yeah. She just can't the stand it. The voice takes some getting used to. Did she, you have a top five artist? So it was uh, it was Killer Mike just because of the album. Mm -hmm. and I didn't even, I really liked it. Yeah. I didn't love it, but yeah. it just was up there. I yeah. just listened to a few songs. Freddie Gibbs was up there too. Westside Gun was in my top five as well. I think I have to look at it again, mm -hmm. but I think. Uh, Maybe Kendrick Lamar was up there. I just I go to a lot of the same stuff sometimes. Is Cam this, Newton in your playlist? Yeah, Cam Newton was not. <laughs> I need Cam Newton was not in my playlist. I should. The, the podcast might make its appearance this year. Keep tech. We got a lot of the fun questions. I don't want to just skip over them though. Like I want to get back to them. I will get back. I saved them. I put it on the text line prep page. I want to get back to your Christmas present your birthday present text, and I want to get back to your Spotify wrapped and your Apple Music replay. We'll get back to that in a moment. Speaking of podcasts, though, Cam Newton has a new one, fourth and one. And I think Barstool Big Cat was his first ever guest on this 
platform for Cam Newton. So interesting there. I think we'll be paying attention. He's a very good podcaster. Cam Newton's good at this oh, stuff. Of course. And I'm Are not you surprised? surprised? No, I'm not. But he's really good. And he's a good interviewer. I got to listen to it, too, now that I know he has something else for me yeah. to debate about when I get in the car. I thought his interview with Brandon Marshall was really good. He's He gets stuff out of people, which is really good from an interviewer. Anyways, here he is talking about the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper and some of the problems within that organization. Let's play the first soundbite from Cam here, Fiddy. Here he is talking about Tepper and the mistake he made. Without stating the obvious, he should have never got rid of Steve Wilkes, a, yeah. a local a local person. Yeah, who had them playing well last year at yeah. the end of the season. There was a moment, whatever it was, I think like week 15 or something, they lost to the Bucs, but they were they were competing for the NFC yeah. South. But w with that roster, though, and yeah. Steve will never say it, they, they didn't have a good roster. Yeah. I think Tepper has not found out during my time there the importance of continuity in the locker room. Yeah. He flushed the toilet, got rid of, you know, a lot of key guys, the Ryan Khalils, myself, TD. It's yeah. hard to, to, to run a locker room when you got guys that may be kind of getting distracted during the year where it's like, yo, hey, hey, bro, it's third quarter, let's lock in, let's focus. Yeah, let's the leaders, focus. yeah, the silent leaders that you don't see if you're not Unsung in the locker hero. room. And I don't think he valued that. And culture. It, it, it shows. Right. He does not have a culture there. You're right. By no stretch of the imagination. Here we are with more coach speak in the cliche words. And it also matters. It does. Culture matters. I think we all understand that. And if Cam Newton, somebody that is a giant within this organization, also pretty clearly a former player, former player that David Tepper reportedly has a great relationship with as far as the former players to come through this franchise. That's one of the things about him that is a legitimately good thing that he's done with this team. I'm not going to hate on that. I think it's great that he embraces this team's young, but history because we care about these guys. We care about the guys that are in the ring of honor and David Tepper allowed that to happen. And so that's a legitimately positive thing that he brought to bank of America. But here's a former player, the favorite player of a lot of Panthers fans. Discussing David Tepper having a culture problem within this organization right now. What were your main takeaways and how much do you agree with Cam? I agree with them 100% because when you think of the great franchises in this sport, there are certain traits that automatically come to mind. You think about Baltimore, you think tough, hard, gritty, defense, uh, accountability. You think about franchises like the 49ers, a little bit of finesse, also physicality. They're a little bit of a mix of both um, pedigree. I mean, you can just go down the line. The Steelers, another one, tough, gritty, hard nose. And so when you have those type of cultures established, it's almost like self-cleaning, so to speak. When you, when you get a certain makeup of player, there's certain locker rooms, there's certain type of guys. You hear this all the time when guys get drafted. If he gets drafted into this type of locker room or that type of locker room, you have to have that. And so – one thing about Tepper and the money, throwing money at something and just feeling like it'll automatically take care of itself, it doesn't work like that. Even the Panthers, in their relatively short time in the NFL, they have a culture. You think black and blue. You think about the defensive players. And even though Carolina's offenses have had a bit of a mix, but even at their apex, you know, they were balanced offenses where you did have a passing attack, but you also think about tough Dominant rushing attacks. And then with defense as well, you think hard-hitting, smart, fast type of football, whether it be Keekly or Peppers or take your pick. 
And so the Panthers have to get back to that. And it starts with the type of players you draft. It starts with the coach, the GM. Everybody has to be on one accord with that type of mentality. You can't get somebody that comes in that tries to reinvent the wheel. You have to start with players that come from a winning background and start with guys who, you know, are hardcore substance type of guys, not flash type of players. You need that. And so the Panthers are lacking that. Like Cam said, when a lot of teams try to get younger, they're getting rid of those vets. And you don't have that guy in the locker room that when there's a young guy coming in there, not doing what he's supposed to do. And he's like, nah, nah, youngin, this is how it's done. You're not going to come in here with that nonsense. Or if it's a player that doesn't fit in the locker room, they'll go to ownership or to the coaches and say, look, this guy ain't working out. Got to get him out of here. You need that type of stuff in your locker room when you want to be a championship caliber team. And I agree with Cam 100%. The Panthers have lost that. And this is the offseason, if anything, because it looks like a total reset in a lot of different areas. They need to get back to that. Bagel Guy brings in a good point. Says Walker, to be fair to Tepper, that era of the Panthers was coming to an end. TD, Greg Olson, Cam. They were, all, they were all towards the end of their career. Luke retired. It's hard not basically to move on to the next generation. No, I think that's a great point because you're right. If we wanted to provide context here, then how much are you keeping TD around? How much are you keeping? How much longer does he have? How much longer does Greg Olson have? Sure. And that all matters. But it's why stability, it seems easy to keep within an organization. Hey, just don't fire him. <laughs> hey, just don't let him go. Keep him. But you clearly have to make the right choice as to who means a lot to this franchise. Wes, think about this roster right now, man. I think Shaq Thompson is the only guy I can point to that has stability as a foundational player, where even he's been criticized as being overrated. But a lot of a lot of weight that he was carrying, trying to take over at the next as the next great linebacker, playing with TD and Luke. I think Shaq's a good player. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's phenomenal. I don't think he's a pro bowler. I think he matters as a leader. I think he has grown into a vocal role here. But he's not on the field because he's been hurt. On top of the contract negotiation coming into this season, I wasn't sure he was going to be on the roster. But he is. He's just not playing with those guys. Think about the other vets that Cam was talking about. You have Brian Burns. But Brian Burns, that whole thing was a little soiled from the get-go because he's in these contract negotiations where we don't know if he's going to be out there. He misses practice because he's kind of hurt, but he's there. You know the whole weird thing at the beginning of the offseason. You have Derek Brown, who's still younger. He's still on his first contract. And I don't know if he doesn't have the stability. I wouldn't say that he's a Panther vet vet by any means. And then you go to the other veterans that have played in the NFL for a long time, but they ain't been here a long time. Andy Dalton doesn't know a ton about this team. It's his first season. Adam Thielen doesn't know a ton about this team. He knows a lot about Minnesota. He doesn't know a lot about this team. Hayden Hurst, I don't even know how much he knows about this team right now because he's not playing out there every time. And Hayden Hurst has been a disappointment. But he's been a veteran that's bounced around. So when you bring in veterans that you're hoping can teach these younger guys, hey, this is what the media market's like. This is how things are done with this franchise. This is how David Tepper is. You can expect this. This is what you can get used to. They don't have a lot of that messaging. Bagel guy's right. I don't know if in the moment I'm saying, oh, man, this is tough. You can't get rid of TD. Greg Olson, no, he still has a lot in the tank. I get his point, but I also understand Cam telling you, 
Man, it was quick how all that happened. It was right at the same time. Maybe that's not all David Tepper's fault because timing just, it hit all at once. That can be true, but the effect is still true. And I I don't know, the, the way to combat that is you know, keeping DJ Moore, keeping Christian McCaffrey, trying to find ways to keep Steve Wilkes, who does know about the team. Yeah. So there were guys that did know about the team that were becoming veterans that you also let go that weren't a part of the 2015 era. And that's probably the ultimate flush that Cam Newton is talking well, about. Well, also, too, it has to be players that you draft and in the makeup of the guys that you pick, they have to yeah. immerse themselves in, in what the coach is about. Again, I point back to Baltimore. How much of a difference has there been from when they won the Super Bowl with Ray Lewis and the crew to now? The the philosophy is still the same. You look at them back then when they had that historic defense. Where are they, to, where, where are they today? Second in the NFL in total defense. That's what Baltimore is all about. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. They're going to be super physical with you, beat you up. And I know they tried to, they want to incorporate more passing with Lamar, which is fine. And the defense is still the same. You look at a lot of the franchises that continually win year in and year out. Their coaches stays the same no matter which players they put in. I mean, good Lord, the Steelers. How much have they changed over the years? None. They're still going to have dominant linebackers. They're still going to draft great wide receivers. The defense is still all about Blitzburg and, and, and finding dominant defenses and things of that nature. So even if you do let the Thomas Davises and the Cam Newtons and all those guys go, now Cam did bring a culture in and of itself on his own. But still, you still have the core philosophy of what the organization has been about, and you have to look for players that fit there, and they've dropped the ball considerably when it comes to that. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments. we got a lot of good text on that subject as well. The Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. We'll continue to talk about Bryce Young, the Reich firing. He had some comments. I want to get to Fitty's comments first, though. Time now for the first Fitty Flash of the day. I know we'll get deeper into this in the campus corner, but uh, the portal is portaling. NC State quarterback MJ Morris is in the portal. Duke quarterback Riley Leonard, he is in the portal. And DJU out of Oregon State, the former Clemson quarterback, he is in the portal once again. The portal's been open for roughly four days or so, and Wes, we've seen high-profile quarterbacks from virtually every conference enter the portal. Man just threw a Molotov cocktail right into my campus corner, didn't he? Oh, really? Did he? Yeah. Man. I mean, he said, yeah, well, we'll get into detail more. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, the, 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 the transfer portal, I've definitely be, been into it. It adds an amount of intrigue to the college football offseason that we haven't seen before. It's making it on par with NBA, NFL, things of that nature that once the season is over with, even though we have more games to play, bowl games, et cetera everybody's looking to see who's going where once the season ends, especially once we're starting to get some stars leaving the Riley Leonard's, like we said, DJU gone now. So it's going to be interesting. They won't be the last guys that's going to get into this portal that have some clout. DJU is the most surprising one. Surprised to see that. It, it does, but then when you think about the, the state of Oregon State right now, I'm not surprised. I think he probably planned on staying there, but once all this Pac-12 stuff happened and now it's only two teams – 
I think all of that uncertainty just made DJ be like, no thanks, I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, we can get back to DJU, MJ Morris, the transfer portal portaling, as Fiddy put it. We'll get to that in a couple of segments. But we're going back to some Carolina conversation. Bryce Young had comments on the Frank Reich firing. What did he have to say? Find out. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. surprised to know that the roots were somewhere up there as well they were not top five see that uh well yeah I, you get the roots are great no you get the sweatshirt they should. well no I, i'm saying you get the sweatshirt you know they're going to be somewhere up there if i got Elidelph half-life sweatshirt in my closet if i have mf doom mm, food in my closet yeah. if i have low in theory in my closet all those are going to show up in the top 10 as they did I want to break away from it. I have this mental conflict, like this cognitive dissonance when I click on low-end theory. Yeah. Uh, break away, Walker. Do something else. But I go back to the classics every now and then. And I embrace the new stuff. Yeah. It's just hard to beat some of the stuff I love in the past. Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of the old stuff as well, but I get a little quirky when it comes to that stuff. I pick and choose when I want to because when I listen to that type of music, I feel like I'm back in that time period. My mind just works like that. Like, I mostly listen to current stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will, and I will sprinkle, like, because my workout playlist is probably the playlist I listen to the most because it has the most variety of what I like. And so I will uh, sometimes throw some old joints in there, like uh, like I got Favor for a Favor by Nas and uh, Scarface in there right now. So okay. Like I'll throw some, you know, I'll throw a couple of classics in there every now and again. I like Scarface. And Lucini is in there, too. Yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> it's absolutely nice. I was thinking to myself, I was like, Lucini might be my favorite 90s rap song. Like, it's up there, man. We've had, I love that Well, song. we've had the Lucini conversation before. Yeah. We'll have it again. It is the it is the number one necessity on your cookout playlist. Yeah. Lucini has to be on there. And I can't wait to have that convo with you again down the line. Yeah, you can listen to it. it around anybody. You don't have to worry about what's being said. It's just all good. Man, all the it, way around. It is all good. By the way, you know what else is all good? Panther Bow's text on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. He said, no surprise, Wesson Walker and all FNZ shows. That's what's up. At the top of my podcast streamed. 704 Let's go. <laughs> that felt right. Matt Rule. I, man, it felt wrong with Matt Rule coming in on that, but it also felt right to play that soundbite. Panther Bo, we salute you, sir, and we appreciate everybody texting in. I wanted to get to some Bryce Young sound before we read more text. We can do that at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. But we got to hear from Bryce Young, other players in the locker room about Frank Reich's firing. Let's hear his first comment. If he feels responsible for the firings, well, that's a tough question. We all do. Um, you know, we all share in that. We all talk. You know, we all feel like, you know, again, you never want to see, you never want to see people lose their job. You never want to see people fight. You, we, we wanted to, of course, come in, especially this being a new team. We wanted to come in and, and conquer things together and, and accomplish our goals together. And we all take responsibility in that not not being the case. Um, so that 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 that's all of our mindsets. 
I say we go back. I want to continue this mood from Bryce Young because you can see her. He, you can hear he seems pretty deflated. Let's play the other soundbite where he says it's really hard seeing your coach get fired. It's it's really hard. Um, you know, again, it, these are you know real relationships. You know, these are people. You know, people's lives, of course. And um, again, it's, you you spend. I don't know, you know, you spend almost double digit hours a day um, at times, um, you know, just in the in the building and, um, you know, day after day after day, um, you know, so much time is spent and obviously you build a strong bond and strong relationship over that time. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's it, it, it's hard. It's a really harsh reality of, of the business. Wes, I'm guessing he probably would have drafted CJ Stroud had he had full control that's what I'm guessing based off everything we heard. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I would guess. What I don't think is true is that Frank Reich just didn't do everything he could in his own head to bring the best out of Bryce. I, it's hard. If you don't like that kid, if you don't like him just as a person, then you're the problem. And I have not, I've not heard anything about Frank Reich being a bad guy at either stop at the Colts head coaching position, even here. It feels genuine when players say he didn't lose the locker room. It feels genuine from Bryce Young saying that, of course, he doesn't want to see anybody get fired. Of course, you have that relationship that these relationships are real. It's not just football all the time. It's real and you hate to see it go. Probably the best thing for Bryce, though. Like We can agree on that. I do feel for him because I'm sure there is some part of him that feels responsible. Man, if I would have played better, the guy would maybe be here right now. But it's not the case. And hopefully Bryce can bounce back from it in these last handful of games. Yeah, so you add the C.J. Stroud thing to the mix as well. And so you're talking about already probably feeling like inside of himself that they wanted someone else. Then when he didn't play up to par, that probably added on to it. But I do think he feels some culpability for this just because of the type of kid he is. I think he feels like, man, if I would have played better, these guys would still be here because I feel like – they did have good relationships because, like you said, it's hard not to like Bryce Young. And so you, I'm pretty sure that he and Frank Reich and McCown and those guys had good relationships. And so you know that ultimately as the quarterback of the football team, even though around you there was a there's a lot that needs to be done and a lot that was missing for you to be successful, but still ultimately as the quarterback of the football team, you're going to feel like, yeah, it's my fault. I didn't get the offense going to to where it needed to be because we always say that quarterbacks get too much of uh, the blame when they get all of the success and vice versa. And so at the end of the day, for right or wrong, the quarterback's going to be looked at when things aren't going right on the offensive side of the ball. So I think for sure Bryce Young feels some culpability in this. And, you know, I think he he should. I mean, he's a he's a – He's a really good player, and he's had his moments this season. But, you know, obviously the offense falls on his shoulders to an extent. And so as a quarterback, you got to take a little bit of the blame for what and a, a lack of offensive success. So um, I think all of that's in there when you hear him talking. Well, Yeah, it, and it does. It, it You get this too, right, that he does seem so affected. Yes. You can hear it, even with Bryce Young already being a soft-spoken guy. That's different than him speaking at the podium after losses. There is a different mood. There's a different feel with how he feels. And I know you went into it a little bit with him feeling culpable because of the losses, which ultimately led to Frank Reich's firing. But does it say that he cares? Does it say that that is this actually a good sign that, hey, I don't want to get another coach fired. 
So I, not that he was the guy that was solely responsible. Frank Wright got fired because Frank Wright couldn't figure out the offense and he kept doing the same thing. I don't mind David Tepper in a vacuum moving on. I have a much bigger problem with the larger issue at hand where no stability with the players, no stability with coaching, making the bad hire in the first place. But in a vacuum, I understand moving on from Frank Reich. But with Bryce Young, Bryce Young seemingly caring a lot about these guys keeping their jobs, you know that he still is all about football. And I'd like my guys to have other interests outside football for sure. That's totally fine. But, man, he does care about this stuff. And that's why I give him a lot of benefit of the doubt that he's going to figure this thing out. Yeah, I think that he will. And as I said, I feel like that if his football character is where I think it is, all of this is going to add to making him a great player. He's going to remember all of these things. And so this has got to be tough. I mean, there's no way he could have thought – that his rookie year was going to go this way. There's no way he would have thought that his coach was going to be gone after 11 games and that uh, things were going to be as bad as they were offensively because, as I said on yesterday's show, this is a guy that, yes, there were some losses at Alabama to where they didn't necessarily reach the heights that maybe he wanted to, but all in all, still a very successful career at Alabama and high school, played for one of the best programs in all of the nation that have been that that has been that for decades upon decades. So all he knows is success. All he knows is function. All he knows is is smart. All he knows is uh, things working out efficiently and having the right things around him. And so for the first time, he is not. It's resulted in his coach getting fired. So all of that is just taking Bryce into a whole new uh, world of his from a career perspective. Well, Bryce Young can't transfer, so Bryce Young (laughs) just has to stick it out with the Carolina Panthers and get a third head coach when it's all said and done heading into his second season. There are some players that can transfer. If you're still in college football, DJU, MJ Morris, Riley Leonard, what does it mean for the ACC, and where are some of these QBs going? We'll talk about it in the Campus Corner. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.